I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is an Intel Studios production that is enhanced with Intel technology. To see pictures, articles, and links of what's being discussed, download the Intel app by going to entale.com. Um, hi. Hey, how you doing? You alright? Uh, I'm very good, how are you? I'm alright, thanks. Yeah, yeah, feeling pretty perky. Yeah, um, pretty perky. Pretty, pretty, pretty perky. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, I had never seen an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm mm. uh, until, until a year, I told you a to year watch, ago. To yeah, it, you yeah. told me to watch it. It's genius. And in fact, I've got to say, when you met my best friend, and I'm talking like best friend in the whole world. Yeah, yeah. I'm Sarah. She's mm. been my best friend since I was 19. And you and Sarah started quoting yeah. Curb Your Enthusiasm. It really annoyed me. Did it? Was it irritating? Yeah, because I was like, oh my God, they're having a party and I'm not invited. That was your fault for not watching. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I immediately, I immediately yeah. went and sort of did some revisions so I could start saying pretty, pretty, pretty with pretty and like good. know yeah. what I'm talking it's about. It's a piece of art that, mm. that show. I love mm. it. Did you know that it's unscripted? That Larry David basically just says to the actors, "We're going to go in here, and I'm going to ask for ice cream, and you're not going to let me get any." And that's essentially what's going to happen. And then they just go and film whatever they decide to say at that point. Um, and it must be a brilliantly funny way to work. I'm sure there's lots of wasted tape, but um, it's a it's just brilliant COVID enthusiasm. But I would imagine that element of surprise you would corpse all yes. the time because he says some outrageous yeah. stuff in that show. If, you're if ever, you didn't know yeah. it was coming. No, absolutely. If you're ever bored, just look at the outtakes of Curb Enthusiasm on YouTube. It's just endlessly funny. It's funnier than the show itself. Um, so, yes, I'm glad you've watched some of that. I've got to also say mm-hmm. outtakes are an amazing way to waste, you know, an hour Four of your hours, time yeah. on YouTube. My other favourite outtakes mm-hmm. um, section, which I look at a lot, is Mark Wahlberg, who you look mm. eerily like. I mean, um, I, I Mark say that. Wahlberg and Will Ferrell in The Other, the other Guys. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I It makes me yeah. die laughing. And Will Ferrell must be just the funniest man mm. yeah. to work well, alongside. But I think Mark Wahlberg is actually a very good comic actor. Mm. Well, I think the bloopers in that, the bloopers in Parks and Recreation are also really good. They're worth I, I should Chris go Pratt. Much. But he will I hilarious. think it's funny if I haven't seen enough of it? Yeah, I mean, because you know who Chris Pratt is. Yes, I do. Yeah, I love so him. He, he's in all of it and he clearly uh, mucks around with the actors a lot and puts them off as much as he can by trumping largely and things like that. <laughs> um, I, know, I hate the word fart. I can't say it. Really? Yeah, so I'll always Why do you not trump. like the word fart? I don't know. It just sounds horrible. Really? really? Yeah, it rolls off my tongue in a really fart. horrible way. You don't say it again. Why? How do I you say like it? it? Trump. No, but how would you say fart? Just fart, but 
it just conjures up an image in my mind that I really don't like. Fart. No, there's nothing sexy about that word. Yeah. What about guff? Guff's really (laughs) good. Guff's humorous. Yeah, like I can cope with guff. Trump. Trump. Bottom burp. Yeah, never pump. Not a pump. No. Not a pump or a fart. Awful. Yeah. Or oh, just pumped. My mum used to no, say that when I was a, a bit kid. What pump? pump? I used to think, oh, mum, no, I can never <laughs> say that again. Like, what? I can't cope with it. So, uh, yeah, anyway, Parks and Recreation is very good. And there was one other. Oh, the trip. The, the outtakes of the oh, trip with Steve Coogan. I haven't Bryden. seen that. Oh, superb. Oh, I bet I mean, the they whole are. show is an outtake anyway because yes. they're improvising. But there's some great stuff on the cutting room floor. If I oh, I'm going to go and watch anyway, that. Anyway, enough of that. I'm not even reviewing this, this stuff, but I no. just thought I'd give you a few. Thank you. A few. So uh, I am going to take you on an experience that you've never had before. I'm so excited. Are you? Yes. I'm taking you to the second most popular restaurant in Britain. Did you know that? Is it the second most popular? It's the second most successful based on sales in Britain. Wow. It is. Kentucky Fried Chicken. So you're not a fast food girl, kind of girl. I can see that with all that quinoa well, in the fridge and everything. No, so. no, it's not that because I do. There are lots of other fast mm-hmm. food restaurants that I do enjoy going to. I love Leon. I love kind of. That's not a fast food restaurant. It is. It is. You go up to the counter, you okay. get your food very, very quickly. We need to rebrand it. Then. I'm talking about a junk food restaurant, perhaps. I'm not, a junk, I'm not a junk food restaurant you, you, person, no. No, you're not. Okay, so you've had a McDonald's, you like, you, you like yeah, the occasional cheeseburger, McDonald's. cheeseburger fries. Okay, that's so that's my... pretty basic, right? You're not a Big Mac girl. I can't eat, I can't finish a, a pound Big of Mac. cheese? Too bi- they're too big. They're tiny. They're too big. I love a Big Mac. Okay, let, let's go, because it's only around the corner. I'll take you there now. We can, uh, you can see what it's like, uh, and then you can give me a, a, an out of ten on it. Yeah? Great. So I've brought you to KFC in Shepherd's Bush because, remarkably, even though I've known you for 20-odd years, you've never had a KFC. Now, I would say I have, what, one a fortnight. I know. Um, So I would like to introduce you to the KFC experience. Right, so let's go up and order because there's a a lot to choose from. So, um, first of all, what, what do you want? Well, hang on a second. I don't want too much. I want as much breast meat as possible and like the healthiest okay but don't i want to experience the fried chicken i don't like don't give me salad Ooh, but what (laughs) i'm looking already i'm like (laughs) hang on a minute i'm just already thinking like a chicken burger looks amazing yes is a chicken burger nice chicken burgers are amazing can we like order a lot of everything do you like chicken on the bone or off the bone off the bone off the bone yes why which is better um, well, we'll do a bit of both. Do you fancy a boneless banquet? Yeah. They I also do, do something called a do fully loaded box. Do you fancy a fully loaded box? <laughs> in fact, is Tony used to. Rude yeah. here? Like, <laughs> is it all just rude? In fact, Tony used to come to Big Brother. He used to say, I've just been to KFC and I always used to say, I always used to say, Ooh, did you get a fully loaded box by any, any chance? He always used to laugh at that. Now, the, did you, I'll give you a bit of trivia. Because you know I'm from Preston. Yes. The very first Kentucky Fried Chicken in Britain was in Preston. No. 1965, yeah. Was it? So the people from Kentucky must have thought, who likes fried chicken the most in the UK? Where are we going to open that? 
bang. The Douglases. In Preston. So this this was often my Sunday dinner when I was growing up as a kid. Mm. My mum would say, should we go to Viking video and get a video? Yeah. It's often a horror. Yeah. So we'd get The Shining or something like that. I would have only been like what 10 happened? or 11. <laughs> we'd get The Shining, The Evil Dead. There was one called The Burning, which we were terrified of. But Hang on, you'd watch it with game. your mum? Yeah, we'd all watch the horror oh God, films. That's yeah. so funny. We'd get a VHS from Viking video and we would get a KFC. Hi there. Can I get a Philip box meal, please? Eat in, uh, eat in please. And can I get a gravy with that and a peach iced tea? And can I get a boneless banquet, please? And um, what side do you want? Do you want a gravy? We'll have a gravy. Thank you very much. Oh, no, no, that's all right, I'll get it. Yeah, I'll get it. Thanks. I'll get this, uh, this meal. Okay, so first impressions, what do you think? I'm slightly... <laughs> you look like... terrified, basically. <laughs> I'm underwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, 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 I felt like from the adverts that I've seen on television, mm. and they have these enormous buckets with really brownly crisped yeah. chicken, it's not quite as brown and as crispy okay. as the adverts yeah. in the bucket. Maybe we should have got a bucket. I mean, we'd only eat one piece each. It'd be a waste, but maybe it just looks more appealing out of a bucket. I enjoy fast food when I'm eating it and then it stays with me and lingers in my mouth. This is going to linger for quite some time, <laughs> I would say. Remember but, the Cranberry song, Linger? Yes. Then this, this is the epitome of that song, I think. But, it encapsulates all of it. In fact, when I hear that song, I think of Kentucky Fried Chicken. But, but you think it's worth it? I do now, but afterwards I think, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So what do I dip my chicken popcorn in? Well, you can dip it in a dip, or you can dip it in the gravy. Is the gravy like what you do? Gravy's outrageous, yeah. Is it? Now, what is quite funny is, depending on where you go, the gravy's con- consistency differs all the time. Is this, what's this like? This it's is quite thick, thick gravy. Whereas up north, you got to get a bit runny. It's more like... Like proper runny oh, wait, gravy. Wait. I've just eaten some of the chicken popcorn. Oh yeah. It's in my mouth, and the gravy. It, that I'll tell you why you love it mm. right from the get-go. Yeah. It's so salty. Yeah. It's amazing. It, it's amazingly salty, isn't oh, it? Oh my god, it's so good. Okay, uh, that's very good. Okay, great. So dip a chip. They've just changed the chips what, in the recently. Gravy? In the gravy, yeah, of course, chips and gravy. They've changed the chips. Yeah. So How did you feel about that? I was a little bit miffed for a while, but they've put the, they've let the skin on them, I guess, to tart them up a bit, make them look a bit more middle class. Um, so they're a bit, there's more potato in them, I guess, now. Mm. Any good? Well, f- first off, I'd like mm. to say that um, I was always quite partial to a McDonald's chip. Yeah. I think these are better. Wow. Um, I actually have to say that the KFC it. chip is the best-looking thing on this plate. Mm-hmm. Because there was that big rumour that went round with McDonald's that the chips weren't even made of potato. I mean, I think they've rectified it now, yeah. but... Yeah, well, there was a rumour that uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken wasn't actually made of chicken. But yes. um, I think it's, they've rectified that it. Was that true? <laughs> no, was it true? I don't think so. But I did... Someone did tell me... another reason why I never went, because I've heard it was like bits of rat. Yeah, well, it's definitely not that. <laughs> but somebody did say they had to change the name. This is a joke, I think. They had to change the name to KFC because they couldn't legally call it chicken. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't think that's true. Um, okay, so wait, the, the, 
And what's quite interesting, mm. I haven't needed to put salt on the chips because oh. the gravy is so salty. Well, the first thing my dad and my kids do when we come here mm. is open a sachet of salt yeah. and sprinkle it over everything. Really? Yeah. And you're right, it, it's so salty anyway, you just don't need it. Oh. Okay. What do I do now? Well, I think you should have a mini boneless fillet thing. And that's this, and I just pick it up with my fingers. Yeah. So I've got my tray of KFC. This is for anybody that hasn't been to a KFC. Am I the only person that has You're hasn't? the only person okay. you've never been to yeah. So on, on the tray, you don't get um, knives and forks. I think this is another reason why kids probably love it, right? Like the fast food thing, yeah. burgers. It's all fingers, yeah. finger-licking good. Well done. Thank yeah. you. Um, so I'm going to get my piece of chicken... Boneless chicken, dip it in the gravy. The gravy's the thing that's making it for me right now. I hate to say I'm quite enjoying it. <laughs> um, good. I mean, well, it tastes very nice. They did come under some flack a few years ago, according to the internet, for having various antibiotics and stuff like that in these chickens, mainly in China, I think. But it seems that they've rectified whatever that problem was. That's from about four or five years ago. I mean, they're huge, though, Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? There's 22,621 of them around the world <clears throat> in 136 countries, would you believe? And the kernel, I mean, there's some really interesting stuff I found on the internet. But obviously there's this very famous recipe he's got of 11 secret herbs and spices. Is that what he puts on the outside? Um, that, that's what all the chicken's coated in. Mm. Um, but it's not patented, which is quite interesting, isn't it? And the, do you know why it's not patented? No. Because to patent something, you have to put it in the public domain. It has to go on public record. And you didn't want anyone to know what these 11 herbs and spices were. So, so who knows? Only him. And it's, it's locked in a vault. Um, so but someone must know because they make it. A copy of the recipe signed by Colonel Saunders is held inside a safe in a vault in KFC's uh, Louisville headquarters, along with the 11 vials containing the herbs and spices. To maintain the secrecy of the recipe, half of it's produced um, by the Griffith Laboratories before it's given to McCormick, who had the second half. So both of these companies don't know what the other half of the recipe is. They make one half of it. And they all it. have to sign NDAs, because what happens if somebody from the Griffith Laboratory marries I don't know. somebody? For, it's like This is like a modern-day West Side story. It's brilliant, right? Some, some, did you see the movie The Founder? The one about McDonald's? Yes! It's a great movie in this, in KFC, I It's a great movie in this. Listen to this. In 1999, a couple who bought the house formerly owned by Colonel Saunders found scribbled notes <gasps> purported to be the secret recipe. Initially, KFC wanted to file a lawsuit against the couple to stop the auction of the notes, but it dropped it because they tried out the recipe and it, it turned rubbish. out it was nothing like it, yeah. Um, but a nephew of the marriage of Colonel Saunders claimed to have found a copy of the original KFC fried chicken recipe on a handwritten piece of paper and envelope in a scrapbook in August 2016. The Chicago Tribune uh, conducted a cooking test of the recipe and claimed after a few attempts that the addition of MSG, uh, an MSG flavour enhancer called Accent, and they produced fried chicken which tasted indistinguishable from the chicken they purchased from KFC. So, um... I don't know why the Chicago Tribune got hold of it, but that's quite interesting. But I do so love it the is idea. Potentially out there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you go to, I mean, when I'm really drunk and there's only a chicken cottage or one of those other slightly what what feel like slightly dodgy versions of KFC out there, I'll eat there. 
And they taste exactly the same, <laughs> so I don't know. While you've been talking, I've finished my breast fillet. Uh-huh. I've eaten some more chips. The chips are a big, big winner. Mm-hmm. The mm. chicken breast, I'm not sure that's my thing. Really? I quite like it. I think the thing that you're eating is my thing. The chicken burger? Yes. However, the amount of calories that there are in this, mm. I, I am horrified by. 790 calories in one chicken burger, but it is lathered in mayonnaise, mm. which is exactly as it should be. Mm. Um, lathered in mayonnaise and lettuce. Uh, but the chicken looks extraordinarily good. Is it nice? It's a winner. Is winner. it? Chicken dinner. That's really nice. Yeah. Mm. That would be my jam. Shall I try the chicken on the bone? Yes. So basically I've got a chicken leg. This well, is I the thing say. that looks delicious. Yeah, I mean... This is outrageous. What would say this is the this is my least favourite bit of chicken a oh. drumstick. Oh, because you don't like brown meat. No, I do like brown meat, but the drumstick are not interesting. They're thigh. I like. I mean, you just have to bite into it and. and I've been watching I'm a Celebrity. I can do this. You can do this, right? Yeah. I can't. <laughs> that is just. Yeah, there's no chicken. There's no chicken. I don't like it. No, it's all right. Well, you can you can. Sorry. Put that down. <laughs> <laughs> I just took a bite and um, basically spat it out because um, I, I, I like roasted um, chicken legs, but I don't like this. I won't do that. It feels quite meatloaf. What would you give the experience? It's going to be low. I can feel it. Four. A four. Wow. I mean, the gravy was good. Look how much gravy I've got left. I've got maybe a third of a pot of gravy left. That that was good. And you've barely eaten the meal itself. That's what's quite amazing about how much gravy you've consumed. I know. It's, I'd drink the gravy. Mm. I would I would literally just drink the gravy. But I'm really liking the chips. I would come in here and order just mm. a thing of chips and gravy and leave. You know, um, KFC's been going since 1930. I did see that somewhere. Yeah, it's quite That's a long isn't time, it? isn't it? And, and then they franchised them around the world. I worked in Jamaica not long ago, and they'd opened one there. And it's quite funny, because all the taxi drivers seemed to know. They were like, as soon as they picked you up from the airport, they'd go, that's the KFC, like it was a <laughs> landmark, you know. <laughs> like, that's where Bob Marley was born, and that's the KFC. <laughs> um, and I was really laughing, and I said, oh, is it new then? And he said, yeah, it's been here. Preston. He said, it's been here about a year. And he said, but they had this five-year business plan to pay back the debt from the franchisee who took it on, a local Jamaican guy. But he paid back the debt in less than nine months. Really? That's how successful it was. And he said, if you, as we drive around it, he said, you'll notice. And there was a queue about 500 yards out wow. of the building. And he said, it's non-stop queuing up. And what's this? Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. that's very nice. An alcohol-free, white. refreshing wipe for my sticky mm. fingers. Oh, that's a very nice touch. Thank you, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm upping you mm. to a five. Oh, are you? Because of the finger wipe? Yes. That's really? a really nice touch. People always talk about a bit of, uh, what is it, an act of self-love. I mean, weirdly, I'd probably come for a KFC as a little act of self-love because it would remind me of being young, I think. You know? And your mum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And home and mm. the north and, mm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am very hungover today. Uh, I got really drunk last night, so I'm not feeling particularly good. So today, I, I, I can't really get through it. I'd go six out of ten, but generally speaking, seven a seven out of ten. So, how is your stomach feeling? 
My, my stomach feels fine. My mouth tastes a little bit funny, mm-hmm. but nothing nothing as bad as I thought it would. <laughs> um, I thought it was going you to linger. I think it would. I th- I felt like it might linger even while I was eating mm. it. I thought, oh, is this is this going to stick around yeah. for a long time? However, they gave a little wipe yeah. on the tray, which I thought was such a nice touch mm. because it's finger licking good. But after you've licked your fingers, you actually you need to quite want to wash your hands with something. Mm. And um, they give you a little wipe to wipe the spittle off yeah. your fingers, which is nice. There's a very funny story about Frank Skinner, who would go to KFC uh, before he went on a night out, like back in the days when he was yeah. drinking. And he would use that little hand wipe for a particular procedure before meeting a lady not uh, his that you willy. could yeah he'd give it a kind of clean no, with, uh, with the, is that did where did you find that out in his, in his book he wrote about that in his book <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was in his stand-up as well he said the ladies He's loved very it because honest frank skinner isn't he gave he? it a lovely lemony freshness oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so next time you're wiping your hands with one of those uh, cleaners then uh, you can just think about that. Um, okay, so five out of ten for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yes. Okay, well, that's not too bad. Not too it's bad. not too bad. Not. Now, what I do want to discuss with you is this documentary yes. that you recommended to me, yes. that I think Sarah recommended to you, your yes. good friend Sarah. I've been putting off watching it uh, largely Why? because... Well, I think there's been a lot of hype around it. I watched the trailer for it, and I, I was a bit unconvinced by the trailer. I, I thought it, it, it seemed... A bit of a gimmick because the idea of the story is something happens within this documentary it's about two brothers one of them has a terrible uh, accident on his motorbike when he's 18 years old and he loses all of his memory which is not strictly true because he remembers his brother his twin brother and then and he remembers his name he remembers that yeah, he's his well, brother this is one of the things that I've, I've i'm unsure about really is whether he really ha- what he has actually lost, or how much he, he is burying. You can't act that. Well, who knows? But th- th- that's, that's what made me. Th- that's what made me think about it. Because maybe he doesn't even realise. Because as you find out as the documentary goes on, something hideous and utterly horrific and traumatic, traumatic has happened to both of them. And whether you could just decide to lose your memory based on the fact that it's easier. To just and less bury painful, that stuff. but that is possibly what happened. Uh, yeah. his memories just erased the mm. most painful period but, of his whole life. Uh, we should, let me go back a bit, though, just to, to establish. So the, the the documentary is largely these two brothers discussing um, their life, and they are now in their fifties. I think they're about fifty-four. They're twins, and they're both very articulate. They're brilliant. They're charismatic looking. They, they have a, a lovely way about the way they're describing their life. So they're, they're brilliant at that, that job. And What's it called? The documentary is called Tell Me Who I Am. I remember opening my eyes and looking around the room. I instantly recognised my twin brother. And I just said, hello, Marcus. But it started to dawn on me that I didn't know why I was. I didn't know what happened to me. I didn't even know my own name. Everything had gone. There was so much to learn. If he hadn't known who I was, then he would have been all alone in the world. But he wasn't alone in the world, he had me. I started piecing things together. He would give me a photo 
I would construct a memory. It was based on a book, apparently, that they both wrote together. So the story wasn't unheard of. You know, people had heard of this story before. But there was something that one brother wasn't telling the other. Uh, and they do that within this documentary in actual time. So I don't think they're reenacting any of this. They're doing this for the very first time. Wait, one... you're just telling me something that I didn't know Oh, for the first time. Just go back over that again. They wrote a book about their experience, but the thing that they were told in the documentary didn't get told in the book? Yes, it's what I believe is that... So when it happened in the documentary, it really was happening for the first time. You can't act that. When he told his brother that thing, that is the first time his brother had heard that So they'd written a whole book and he hadn't told his brother for the book. It seems that way, (gasps) yes. They're going to have to do part deux of the book. So just to, to go over the story, so the, the, Alex, they're called Marcus Lewis and Alex, and Alex was the guy who had a motorbike accident. And when he came round, the only person he recognised was his brother, his twin brother. He didn't recognise his mum, he didn't recognise where he was, where he lived, his own house, where they slept. He didn't recognise any of his friends and had no memory of his life up until that point, but he knew he had a brother, a twin brother. So the twin brother, the guy Marcus, manages to fill in his, his, the 18 years of his life with various stories and anecdotes about things that they'd experienced. So and the found... few photographs that he found. Yes. He built stories around those photographs. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even have to fill in too many extra anecdotes about the stories because Alex, when you're shown something and you're given a sort of memory, Alex then built a picture of that day and imagined, oh, well, if it happened that year, it must have happened every year. Our holidays yeah. must have been like that every year. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very interesting way that the brain works, I guess, is that it fills in the gaps. I mean, they say that about your eyesight as well, is that you can be looking at stuff, but there's lots of stuff you don't see. Your brain just fills it in with assumptions. And I guess that's what he must he must have been doing. So he was assuming a lot of his life was... Um, very nice and very friendly. He seemed to fall in love with his mum naturally, like a son would with them with her mum, and thought his mum was great fun. Um, but they slept in the shed. I, was, on, I mean, so confusing that. Like a shed with, I think, you know, very very basic and rather brutal shed with sort mm. of very basic. I'm not even sure if it had electricity or. It, it was very weird. I don't understand why al- the kids weren't... They weren't allowed in the main house. They weren't, didn't sleep in the main house. And it seemed that the parents were relatively wealthy and they had a reasonable size, I guess, middle-class house. And they said that the parents were from aristocracy. So there must have been a bit of old money lying about. But I think as they got older, um, Alex started to feel that there was something odd and something missing from his memory that his brother wasn't possibly telling him. The dad eventually died... Um, but on the day before the dad died, he'd asked both of them for forgiveness. Which, and I found this very, very weird. And, and the documentary wasn't very fulfilling at this point because the son who's lost his memory forgives his dad. He says, yeah, sure, no worries, like because he has no memory of what his dad's done. But the other son, Marcus, says, no, I'll never forgive you. And they leave the room. And then the following day, the dad dies. Now, Alex can't work out why his brother won't forgive his dad. And they don't go into any detail about that. I don't know either. He just said the dad was a very hard man. But do you think he was asking for... 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Forgiveness, because I, my feeling was, Marcus, later on, and I don't know how much of a spoiler we should give, but at some point we will discuss what they're talking about. Mm. But at some point we will tell people that it's a spoiler alert. Yes, and if they want to watch it, they should fast forward. If you're listening yeah. on the Entail app, you can fast forward to the next piece. But mm. up until now, don't worry, this isn't going to be a spoiler. But I wasn't sure if, um, because Marcus said later that he felt genuinely that his dad never knew. Yes. So this forgiveness wasn't even about the terrible thing that happened. No. That's what, it I, was, did, that's what I didn't It was understand. about being horrible. Mm. I don't, know. I don't know. And why would Marcus so, be so adamant? No, if it wasn't about the terrible thing. Well, I guess this is this is one of the the, the um, criticisms I have of the documentary, not of the boys, and not obviously what they experienced, but of the way the thing has been made. Told is mm. that I feel that there's just too many empty, unanswered yeah, unanswered questions mm. and too many empty spaces in it. That when it finished. I mean, there was, I must have had 50 questions I would have loved answering. And even if I just got an answer to one of them, I would have felt more satisfied. Mm. So the first one was, you know, why he wouldn't necessarily um, forgive his father. Then the father dies. And then... Can we quickly talk about, before we go into any spoilers, about the way that it's shot? I love the way it's shot. It's basically shot to these talking heads. So you've got the brother's head and shoulders of both of them. and, And they break it down into three chapters. They give... The first part, I think, is called Alex. The second part is called Marcus. And then there's a third part of the two of them together, which I assume is maybe just called Marcus and Alex. But it, it, it is very, very nice. And they and don't it's just more focus than on just... one person. They intertwine these stories. So the talking heads are going, but you realise you're getting it from one perspective, another perspective, and then a final a final truth, if you like. And it's what we're always talking about, isn't it? There's my truth, your truth, and then the truth, you know. Yeah, and Um, none of them are a lie. And none of them are a lie. Mm. But what I think was lovely is when um, I loved, we were also talking about the other day about the spaces. So I love it when they were shooting Alex and he would go quiet for a minute. He would have said something and you'd you'd be thinking at home, oh my God goodness that is quite something and you're processing it and Mm. the pieces are all the sand is filling in the holes in your brain of like wow okay god and while you're doing that they they were filming alex from three or four different angles so there'd be an amazing side shot Mm. of him sat in the chair off camera drinking something looking really pensive yeah and thoughtful 
and it would really help you digest mm. that piece of information as well. So all the different shots that they did of maybe a house or like you were talking about the tree mm. or I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was very well pieced well, together. There were questions, no, but I really loved the way it was shot. I, I totally and utterly agree with that. And I think they gave these lovely long pauses and, and gave you time to, to absorb what was being told. And I, I, all credit to the people who made it for, for all sorts of great things about it. But that was one of them. It was paced brilliantly. Mm. Then the mother starts to get ill. Alex has grown to very much love his mum. They've got a very good relationship, I think. And he, his, the, the picture that his brothers painted of his mum in their lives is a really nice, beautiful one. Um, and then eventually the mother dies. Um, so they then get access to the house for the first time almost in their lives. They get access to go into the house and start to... Is this a spoiler? I'd say maybe we should say to people, okay. if you are intrigued yes. by what we're talking about and you don't want to know what happens, spool forward to the next thing we're going to discuss yeah. and go and watch Go and watch it. Yeah. But if you've already seen it and you're interested maybe in, in our um, critique of it, yeah, then keep listening. So they go into the house and they find some all, all sorts of very strange things. But in the loft, there is Christmas presents dating back 15 years from relatives that had sent them Christmas presents and birthday presents every year. And their parents had hid them, still wrapped in the loft. That's so cruel. It's just appalling. It's so cruel. So they sat there opening presents that they were given as a nine-year-old boys, ten-year-old boys or whatever. Now they're in their 20s, I presume, at this point, um, maybe even older. And it just seems so strange. And then they open a cupboard that's in the bathroom that's full of sex toys. And then they keep finding rolled up money hidden away everywhere in, in jars, sewn into the seams of curtains. They can't work out what on earth is going on. Well, one of them, one of them bit. can't work out what's going on, but the other one clearly knows what's going on. But the, the Alex, who's had the had the memory loss, is desperately trying to to search for answers. And what about and in Marcus, her bedroom? Yeah, and Marcus doesn't really want to go there anyway. Alex goes into the bedroom and opens up a a drawer that's locked with a key. They manage to find the key. And in there is a picture of him and his brother as children, naked, with their heads cut off the picture. So torn off. It's the, it's the it's creepiest so dark, and most disturbing thing. And of course, Alex has no idea why that picture would be in a locked drawer inside a cupboard, inside another cupboard. And Marcus is trying to kind of yeah. just brush it off. Yeah. And it's I nothing. It, it, and then they meet in the kitchen and he says, what is this all about? And he says, you don't want to know, you don't want to know. And then he says, were we sexually abused by our mum? Mm. And he doesn't say yes, but he just nods and walks outside. And uh, it turns out that the mother was a paedophile. And it's I mean, a on a, a like... A terrible, yeah, yeah, the scale of it, scale, really, yeah. really horrific. But of course, at this point, Alex is still trying to work out how this is even possible. I mean, he's clearly no memory of it. But what you don't know, as the viewer, really, is to the extent of which Marcus has suffered, and and to what the extent he knows that he's suffered and his brother has suffered. Um, and I guess that's the big secret, really. Um, and and the other really sad thing to watch unfold is not only Alex suddenly learning something about his beloved mother 
that mm. he is hard to stomach, mm. but is the the one person in his life that he felt he could trust, the one person who told him everything, mm. has told him a pack of lies. Mm. And how can he ever go trusting anybody ever again? Mm. How will he ever believe anything? Well, I think that's one of the things that does resolve itself quite nicely is is that Marcus gets the opportunity to to explain to his brother why he lied to him, and I think that's it's one of the best bits in it, really, because there's this great thing about the idea that the truth will set you free, but actually, the truth often will imprison you as well. And I think he was already imprisoned by the truth, and he just didn't want to do that to his brother. And you get this throughout the thing. What he says to him, he says. I gave him the gift of not knowing what had happened to him. It was a gift. Who wouldn't want it? And then later on, about half an hour later, he said, I can't believe I did that to him. What kind of a cruel person am I to do that to my brother, you know? And um, it's really weird how he flips from one to the other all the time about he thinks he's done a good thing, he thinks he's done a bad thing. And then living with what happened to him and the the trauma of having to hide it from his from his brother and all his brother wants is the truth but they describe it as pandora's box and and the the interesting thing about pandora's box is i mean he says the thing about pandora's box is it's full of secrets but that's not what it is the problem with pandora's box is you can never close it again and he knew, he knows as soon as he tells his brother this thing sorry uh, i know i get so emotional about these things but, but what's interesting mm. is that it does that to you, mm. you know, that even though you were a bit frustrated at the end of it, that yeah. you had questions that you wanted answering, but it made you feel yeah. so much. But it, for me, it was, it was more uh, their relationship. Yeah, that the that's the whole point. And not, that's what, and it's the just the abuse. two. Of, no, no, but it's the that, shock. It's, yeah. I mean, it's the whole situation. Mm. Imagine losing your complete memory, being told a bunch of lies by the one person you can trust who's your twin brother, mm. that your mum's a paedophile. I mean, mm. it's like it, it beggars mm. belief. But the abuse that they suffered is all part and parcel of the horror and the reason for the lies mm. and their relationship and how difficult it is. And it's so complex mm. and multi-layered. And that is why I feel that your 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 desire for answering questions is quite a difficult one because that you've got not i mean it could be like a five-part series yeah, and yeah. It, these could be questions that they haven't even got answers mm. for yet especially if they have just uncovered the full truth um mm. as it was one of the most powerful bits for me was when marcus was explaining why he'd done it mm-hmm. and um and he was talking about not just telling his brother and he said, it's important for me to tell you. And he looks at the camera like he's yeah. telling us about my mother and who she was. Mm. And I mean, imagine living with your brother who's just had a, a motorbike accident and you're trying to protect him and you're around the woman mm-hmm. that did that to you and you're the only person that knows she mm. was given... A, a, a pass yeah. at that point and not only forgiven by the boy mm-hmm. she abused but like loved yeah. and cherished the other bit at the end I think is when when Marcus says he says why didn't you tell me and he says I was it, it's actually been about protecting myself more than anything because to tell you means to open 
all of it up again for me. Mm. And he said, I'd buried it for such a long time. But actually, that's probably why he felt so guilty is, is the, that he was harboring the secret to save himself rather than just his brother. Mm. Um, it was for both of them. Mm. Mm. It's it's brilliant and you should watch it yeah. if you haven't already seen it. And I mean, there it. is another part that we haven't we haven't disclosed so even if you've listened to this and um yeah and you haven't seen it there is there is another part of the story that um is really heartbreaking Mm. um but But, it's definitely i thought it was definitely worth a watch but you were left frustrated uh, yes i was there was there was i felt like there just wasn't enough in it at the end i felt like i realized that they might not be able to tell you they might not have been able to tell each other during the making of the documentary. So I think there should have been some um, words on the screen just to just to fill in some of the gaps that the documentary didn't didn't fill in. Like, when did it start? I'd have liked to have found out a bit more about the dad. I don't know why I'd want those things, but I just felt like I was just missing information that would have made it a more complete experience. So, you know, there were some reservations at the end. I just felt like oh, there was too many unanswered questions. I didn't, uh, I didn't have that at no, the end at all. I, I mean, mm. although I was quite confused about them working together because suddenly it says they're working together mm. and they've been working together for years and they're married. I was like, what? This has jumped massively. Yes. How did we get to the present day? But I suppose they only had an hour. It needs to be a sort of two-part, two or three-part special. And I mm. suppose when you are hauling someone's terrible, abusive personal life over the coals like that and looking at it through a microscope, it might just be that one, one episode yeah. of this documentary is all they can bear. Mm. And I suppose there's too much stuff to say yeah. in the writing. What do you say? Well, it went from here to then, yeah. and then da, 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 da. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you do it, because, uh, you know... I, Maybe I we both need to read I, the book. I don't make programmes, but I feel I feel like, had I been an exec producer on it or something, and I'd gone, I think we're missing something here. There's something. Or you may need to make it two-hour doc. Yeah, maybe. Mm. But they were brilliant, the two guys, and all credit to them, I think, for telling the story. So brave. I think it, it wasn't just a story of of sex abuse and paedophilia and, and, and the like. It, it was... Um, about a relationship between those two boys um, and that in itself was fantastic I was floored by mm. it for a long time after it finished mm. I had to go off and really think about it mm. um, I'd give it an 8 out of 10 well I would join you there in an 8 out of 10 mm. it could have been potentially been a 9 mm. um, but it's definitely up there with documentaries like Touching the Void so yeah 8 out of 10 so what are we going to talk about? Uh, what are you going to tell me about? I would like to wake you up with sunshine because mm-hmm. I feel like we have been in the dark forever and we have been um, tired mm-hmm. and a bit sad and it's dark and I find that when the days get shorter, my mood slightly mm, does, drops. Yeah. Does yours? Uh, no, but yours does. I think it does. Mm. And I also really struggle with um, exercising at this time of year. I struggle with kind of waking up and mm-hmm. getting out of bed. Anyway, anything that can help me, mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, accept with it. open arms. Totally. Yeah. So I heard about these alarm clocks that wake you up with daylight. Mm-hmm. What they do 
is you set an alarm. So my alarm is always set for 6.30 because mm-hmm. that's when I need to get up to get Chester to school. And it starts lighting up. So it's like, um, I mean, you'll be able to see this on the entire app. So um, we're going to post pictures of how it works. What it does is it starts to glow about half an hour before the alarm is to is due to go off but a very very slight glow it's like a sunrise okay and over half an hour the sun rises and the light lights up Mm -hmm. now what usually happens with me unless I've gone out and I've had four hours sleep is I am awake before the alarm goes off because in your natural sleep pattern there is a break or a time when this light would naturally wake you up Mm -hmm. And if I'm not awake by the time the alarm is due to go off, then I get woken up by this lovely bird song. And it's quite funny because in the noises that they give off, they do the lovely bird song, but that in itself wouldn't be enough to wake you up. Yeah. So they have to put something in there that's annoying enough to jar your body into waking up. Okay. So the one that I wake up to, the bird song, they put in a cuckoo <laughs> Every now and again, which is quite annoying, but it does wake you up. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say eight times out of ten, I'm woken up by the light before the alarm goes off. Okay. And then you can sit there for ten minutes and enjoy what is effectively fake daylight, Mm -hmm. which is how they treat SAD. It is called seasonal affective disorder. Basically, what what this uh, alarm clock does is it's a kind of light therapy. And Mm -hmm. that is what's been used for people with SAD. They've had, I don't know if you saw them ever, those light boxes that Mm -hmm. people used to have sitting on their desk. And if you had it for three hours a day in the deep, dark months, it would kind of lift your mood a bit. It is a form, a recognised form of depression. Do you remember the Davina Hour? Yeah, I do. Okay, so the Davina Hour was a TV programme that I did for the W Channel. Mm -hmm. And it was possibly the greatest show I ever made that no one watched I've done a few shows that no one watched but this was my most favorite and probably the best that literally I think 35,000 people watched it I mean it was appalling but every person that watched Mm. it loved it yes and we went forensic on a topic every week and once we went forensic on stress and the stress hormone is cortisol. Mm-hmm. And I had to do, uh, do you remember? I had I to do, do the cortisol the test. test yeah. So you do a spittle thing mm-hmm. uh, and then you put the spittle into a tube. So I had to sort of chew on a sponge effectively in the morning. The first thing I did when I woke up in the morning, I'd chew on the sponge and then put it in a tube. And that's because your cortisol levels, when you wake up, they spike. Yeah. And what an alarm clock does is it hits you with a massive spike of cortisol because it wakes you up with a jolt. Your whole body goes, oh, my God. You know, some of those alarms are brutal. They're horrific. I mean, I get PTSD when I hear a phone ring Mm. with someone who's using my alarm as their phone ring. It's hideous. And you're on the train, you think, oh, God, no, stop. So you can imagine what it does to your body. And it then gives you a huge jolt of cortisol, which turns into fight or flight, which is the kind of stress hormone that you don't want to have loads of, okay. unless you are running from people who are trying to kill you. Yeah. And then it's helpful. But if you're just trying to get out of bed and brush your teeth in the morning, you don't really need that. Mm-hmm. So actually, the way that you wake up in the morning is important. And it's important to your hormone levels. It's important to your mood. So 
even in the summertime, I would really advise waking up to light and waking up to gentle sounds mm-hmm. of waves or birdsong is a much nicer nicer way to wake up. How, how many different sounds can you wake up to? Well, this uh, on this one, yes. and this is quite an old model, yep. this one you've got about five, but actually you can go way more. Mm-hmm. You can get something like eight or nine different sounds. Mm-hmm. And um, it isn't just nature. You can have piano chords or you can have chanting or something like that or you could have the radio if you wanted very quietly but again it's slightly jarring Mm. the radio but you're hoping that you're going to wake up to daylight Mm -hmm. before you wake up to a sound okay so the idea is that the light brings you out of your deep sleep yes you're on the verge then of waking up and then a gentle sound of like a busy motorway or something like that yes then bring you around yes okay nice and does it work yes I mean, for me, it really does work. I mean, I want to very quickly touch on depression, Uh um, that sad is an actual thing. Okay. And if you are feeling down, um, and depression is some, these are some of the signs of depression. So you've got persistent low mood, a loss of pleasure in everyday activities. You're just not enjoying life as usual. You're a bit irritable, feelings of despair or guilt, low self-esteem, feeling a bit tearful, feeling stressed or anxious, reduced sex drive or less sociable. So those are real symptoms. Go onto the NHS um, website, onto the NICE website. And um, if you're suffering from any of those, do seek some help Mm -hmm. and just get some advice on what you should do about it. But other symptoms can be, and this is where I came in. These are sort of lesser symptoms. Yeah. Less active. That is definitely me in the winter. I really struggle staying as active as I am in Mm -hmm. the summer. Um, Lethargic and a bit sleepy in the day. I mean, we were just talking about it would be quite nice to have a snooze. Um, Sleeping for longer and it's harder to get up in the morning. Difficult to concentrate, increase in appetite. And lots of people in the winter crave carbs. Um, And uh, lots and lots of people put on weight in the winter because of all of the previous factors. So these lesser ones are things that I think can be helped a little bit with some kind of light. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds... No, no. That sounds a bit airy-fairy. But I swear by this alarm clock, it's... Again, it's one of those things I have to share with people because it's changed my life. How long have you had it? Um, I've had that one for maybe a year. Oh, okay. So you've been using it for about a year. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering if there is a more portable version of yeah. it that I can take to a hotel or to in, in my suitcase because mm. I hate waking How? up to my phone. Your kid's got them. Chester has got one. Holly and Tilly haven't. Holly mm. and Tilly never wake up. Okay. And <laughs> irrespective of the technique, yeah. <laughs> And does Chester use it? Does he wake it, up? It wakes up every day, yeah. Oh, it wakes him up that? every day, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I have a kind of gentle alarm that wakes me up on my phone. Gentle? Yeah. Play me your alarm. <laughs> it's actually a song. Uh, it's the Born Identity from The Last Shadow Puppets, right? So this is how I wake up in the morning. Oh, my God, that's so aggressive. You think? I think, oh God, got to get up. Put the kettle on, get the kids up. No? So that's how I wake up in the morning. I find that quite gentle. I mean, I, I mean, it's quite gentle. I really like that song, and it's ruined it for me because it's the, <laughs> song, it's the song that wakes me up. So when I hear it now, I just think, oh God. But well, give me a sound of, of what okay, this well, waking I'm gonna up. Quickly, so, um, so I've had I want to hear re- the cuckoo. I've had to re-plug it in mm-hmm. to... Um, so it's all touchscreen by the looks of things, is it? 
That's not... Oh. So it pulls you out of your sleep. So the next one... Yeah, I don't like the cuckoo. That would be... Is that irritating, the cuckoo? Um, I did, I did have it for a long time. Okay. This is another one. Piano. Sounds like Max Richter. It does a bit, doesn't it? This might send you back to sleep. This one. Is that just like a beach? Beachy. Sea waves. Nothing to eat. I quite like this one. That might make me want to wee. You've been washed up on the beach, stranded. You're on your own with nothing but football. This is the one. I love this. This makes me think of spring. Is it? Makes me really happy this time. If I when I wake up to sunlight from the clock and this, I'm like, ah. It makes really makes me want to go for a wee. That? Yeah. What else? I don't like that one. I don't like that one either. Instantly. I just like nature. I want to wake up to nature. This is the one, the birds. Um, how much are these? Uh... So the clocks can range, and there are lots of different people that make one. Oh, okay. Um, but the clocks can range from £20. That's all right. To yeah. 200 So there's a company called um, Withings, and they make um, scales and things like that. They've made one which is all Bluetooth and everything, and they've got a pad that you can put underneath your pillow and it detects your sleep patterns and yeah, it can okay. tell you if you've had a good night's sleep mm. or not. I don't need a pad to tell me if I've had a good night's sleep or not because I have a good night's sleep every night. Yeah. I am like a corpse. Okay. I don't move. So um, I think I'm very lucky like that. But I do struggle waking up um, in the morning and that's what these clocks are so good for. So they are affordable mm-hmm. and they have different ranges. You know, maybe the ones that are slightly less expensive don't have as many great sounds. Yeah. But it's a lovely, much, much, much nicer way to weigh up, wake up and it feels like your body is naturally... It is one of the most traumatic things of the day, isn't it? It is. Just like getting up at a very specific time and then how that happens. Um, it sounds good. How much is this one then, this Philips one? Is it quite expensive? Um, sure? I think this one is around the 120, 130 mark. It's quite big, isn't it? It is, because what it needs to do is provide you with, with light. the light. Thanks very much for that. Um, so okay. I'm going to give it, because yeah. I've been using it for a year, a 10 out of 10. I can't 10 out of yeah, 10? Yeah, 10 out of 10. It is much, much better than any alarm clock. I don't want to wake up to the radio. I'm quite happy to listen to the radio. Would you not rather it looked different? There are lots of different looks that you can get. Okay. The the new ones, the next gen ones, um, are a bit more space age. They don't have buttons around the side. They only have a touch screen. That's space age. I mean, is there not something more classic, like more traditional? But you have to have the light. Yeah. The benefit of the light. The design of it could be more traditional. I think I'd prefer it. Really? Yeah. But you're quite a modern man. You know, I'm very metrosexual and I am very modern and all like that, but I want a traditional bedside lamp. I don't want a big moon. I want um, like a little tr- trinkety thing with a... But t- then it's not going to give you the proper okay. light that you need. I'm going to take it away, give it a whirl Let's and see what let you, think. you know. Okay, good. Thank you. Good, it's a pleasure. So that is it. Yeah. The end of another episode. If you want to uh, find more out about any of the things that we talked about today, just go onto the Entail app 
uh, and you can get lots more inf- information to kind of enhance your podcast experience with us. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 